episode 45 of the Travel Podcast. Welcome to the Travel Podcast. And on this episode, we'll be going on a virtual road trip around the very diverse state of Arizona, exploring four cities and towns of Tucson, Scottsdale, Sedona, and Flagstaff. Our special guides for this virtual road trip are joining us from Arizona, and they will be sharing their first-hand knowledge and recommendations. Let's welcome Becky and Jessica from Visit Arizona. Hi. And Jay Lisa from Visit Tucson. Hello. Emily from Experience Scottsdale. Hello. Sachi from from Visit Sedona. Hello. And Sherry from Flagstaff, Arizona. Hello. To start off, for those listeners that might not know much about the state, Becky, how can listeners get to Arizona when they arrive? What will travel be like within uh, the current COVID-19 requirements and situation currently? And what can everyone expect? So normally we have two daily nonstop flights from London Heathrow's airport um, and usually two flights from Frankfurt, Germany that are seasonal um, if you're traveling from Europe. And um, currently the flights from Heathrow are paused and we do not yet have a uh, launch date on those. But um, American Airlines is our hometown international airline here in Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. And that makes easy um, nonstop flights into LAX or Dallas's DFW Airport. And if you fly into Dallas, for example, they have multiple regional flights that go into Flagstaff, Phoenix, or Tucson. So you can connect anywhere into Arizona uh, quite quickly and easily. And um, as far as precautions uh, taken during the current travel situation with with COVID-19, so we do have a mask mandate in Arizona. Um, It's in about 98% of our communities across the state. And actually the the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, just released a a study and it made national news last week that COVID cases in Arizona dropped 75% after our mask mandate went into effect at the end of July. So it's very good news that with the masks and um, being able to social distance and things like that, you can travel. And many things in Arizona are opened and um, welcoming visitors at this time. Our national parks are open, Grand Canyon is open. And um, Jessica will go into more specifics about you know, how to get around Arizona and things like that. But we also have the Arizona Safe and Clean Hotel Program. And that's adapted from the American Hotel and Lodging Association, where hotels follow enhanced cleaning and sanitation protocols to keep their guests safe during their visits. And then we're also, you know, focused on all around the state is making sure that the visitors not only feel welcome, but that, you know, they're responsibly traveling responsibly. And there's many places where you can visit, social distance, opportunities to get outdoors. Um, We're headed into our beautiful weather season right now. It's just cooled down, um, especially in the central and southern part of Arizona. So outdoor dining will be very big for us. But there's definitely some ways to, you know, plan your visit, plan it safely. And all of our protocols and guidance are on our website, visitarizona.com. And there's a backslash COVID-19 traveler guidance. It's also linked right off that visitarizona.com homepage. And we also recommend that you visit the U.S. State Department um, homepage as well and check out their traveler guidelines as those can change quite rapidly based on the country that you might be traveling from and any restrictions um, or enhanced protocols that might need to be taken when you're entering the United States. That's very good to know. And on that, so that means that now for any of our listeners that are currently in the US, they are able to travel and come and visit you and do this 
uh, road trip in real life rather than virtually. Is that correct? Yes. So Arizona does not have any um, requirements if you're traveling from other states within the United States. So depending on what country you come from, you might have to quarantine when you get here. Or when you leave the United States, you might have to quarantine for two weeks when you get home for 14 days. But as of right now, Arizona does not have any requirements against other states. So if you were traveling already in the United States, you can enter Arizona without needing to quarantine. We just ask that you follow the local precautions, wear your masks, social distance, travel responsibly. Perfect. And Jessica, can you give the listeners an overview of Arizona? So once they're actually there, what are they going to expect from the temperatures across the seasons, the geography and the destinations that we're actually going to be visiting on our virtual road trip? How do they complement each other? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, to start, Arizona has over 300 sunny days a year on average. And um, overall for the state, the average temperature is around 23 degrees Celsius. So anytime to visit Arizona is a great time. And the topography is so unique throughout the state as well. I mean, you could be in the Sonoran Desert in Tucson, which is in Southern Arizona, then traveling north to Scottsdale, which is part of the greater Phoenix. Um, And Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the United States. Um, A couple hours north of Scottsdale, you'll be surrounded by the red rocks of Sedona and the high desert. And just a mere 50 minutes north, you'll be in Flagstaff surrounded by ponderosa pines. It's actually the largest ponderosa pine forest in the world and mountains. And Flagstaff's elevation is a little over 2,100 meters. So I'm sure each destination will go into more specific regarding their average temperatures because they surprisingly vary. Um, And when I say anytime is a great time to visit, I really mean it. Each destination here today has seasonalities that really complement each other. So Flagstaff's peak season is the summertime and their low season's winter, whereas Sedona's peak season is in the fall and spring. So it's really great that you can really take advantage and play amongst the seasonalities to best maximize your budget as well. And you can consider one destination as a hub and spoke and take a day trip to the other Um, Same thing with Scottsdale. I mean, Scottsdale to Flagstaff, so a little over two hour drive. So you can drive up north to the snowy mountains and be back by the pool in time with a cocktail in hand in the afternoon. So that's definitely something unique that we can offer to all the listeners. So what's probably unexpected in Arizona is that Arizona has three wine regions throughout the state and all the wineries get their grapes grown within the state. And we're home to over 115 wineries. There's various wine trails that explore our regions. Um, the three regions are Wilcox, Sonoida, and the Verde Valley. And you can visit ArizonaWines.com to learn more about our wineries. Actually, one of my favorite unique adventures I've done recently has to be the Classic Water to Wine Tour, which is a float trip down the Verde River and you end at the Alcantara Winery for tastings. So if you're in the Sedona area, you definitely have to try this out. Arizona is also home to 22 tribal nations and 17 dark sky communities, which is the most in the world. And we do have water. We have rivers, lakes, and white water rafting opportunities as well. So there's something for everyone. So come check us out. And it's something that I've certainly learned after. We have done a few episodes uh, based in Arizona. Uh, previous episodes, do make sure you check those ones out. And we'll, meant, oh, I'll highlight them a little bit later. But 
there is so much diversity. So it's certainly somewhere amazing to visit on a road trip. And I'm excited to explore these destinations that we're about to talk about. And so let's get started. With our first stop, we head south to Tucson, which is about an hour and 45 minutes from Phoenix. Um, And repeat listeners will know that I absolutely love my food and so does the rest of the travel podcast team. So Jay Lisa, I'm very excited to ask you, how did Tucson become the UNESCO City of gastronomy and what are your recommendations on what we should try when eating out yes so tucson was designated the first city in the united states uh, city of gastronomy by unesco and we got this designation is because our agriculture history actually dates back four thousand years with our native american culture Um, So the way they harvested the desert plant life back then, and we are still doing today. And when I say you need to try, you definitely need to try some of the great food that these chefs are cooking up. Um, So some of my favorite would be Boca Taco y Tequila. Um, They make their original salsas daily and their tacos are delicious. You can have carne asada, barbacoa, uh, just a very wide array of tacos. I'm looking forward to to, to eating out in Tucson and to, to make sure we can try as much food as we can on our visit. I've been eyeing up the Tucson bike loop, um, which looks amazing. And what other outdoor experiences can we get up to on our visit? Yeah. So like how Becky and Jessica um, explained, we have the Saguaro National Park, which actually falls on the east and west side of Tucson, which is very rare for a national park to do so. Um, so you could definitely explore some great outdoor experiences such as hiking, biking, mountain biking, rock climbing. And uh, Tucson actually also has two dude ranches, Tinka Verde Ranch and White Stallion Ranch. These are great opportunities for girlfriend getaway, family getaway, honeymoon, or even a single person trip. And you can experience horseback riding, guided hiking and biking tours, swimming, fishing, and then, of course, spa treatments to uh, rest and relax. And with those dude ranches, um, if, for those that know me, um, obviously I'm not old enough to have watched it when it came out in the cinema, but City Slickers, is that the style the dude ranches would be like? So we can get out and really explore uh, the great wilderness on with like, like, like a cattle ranch with um, the dudes? You definitely can if that is your style or there's more laid back horseback riding through the Sonoran Desert as well. I might have to do the second one, but uh, I know I'd like to do the first one, but I may not be brave enough. And with all the food and activities on offer, what other highlights should we take in or try before we leave Tucson? I definitely think here in Tucson, you should check out the our two destination spas, Miraval Arizona Resort and Spa and Canyon Ranch. They're both inclusive destination resort and spas dedicated to helping you live life in the moment through an array of well-being spa services. So you definitely can get an idea of cooking classes, obstacle courses, water aerobics, and of course, spa treatments. And this will just help you to escape for a while, especially with everything had been going on. It's definitely a place you want to check out. Amazing. And before I pack up and start to say goodbye to Tucson, do you have any of your own recommendations? Yes. Yeah, so as a local being born and raised here in Tucson, one of our my favorite things to do, especially during the summertime, is to drive up to Mount Lemmon and escape the heat. 
Mount Lemmon is about 9,000 feet um, above sea level. So you could really get an understanding of how much cooler the temperatures up there. And while you're up there, you cannot miss the cookie cabin. So make sure you get a cookie that's as big as your face and um, a slice of pizza and enjoy the cooler temperatures. Having done a couple of hikes, definitely recommend you get a cookie and a slice of pizza. You need the energy and it's a great excuse to burn off those calories. So it sounds amazing. Well, thank you very much, Jaylison. I'm thoroughly looking forward to getting out to Tucson. And as we pack up and say goodbye to Tucson, we start our drive to Scottsdale next stop on this virtual road trip which is just under two hours north of tucson and we welcome back emily to the travel podcast some of you may have heard her when we did our scottsdale episode earlier on in our series um and i'm looking forward to taking advantage of staying in one of scottsdale's luxury resorts and enjoying the old town which we spoke about last time what luxury resort would you recommend for us to look to stay in Ooh, you know, we talked about this, I think, on the last time I was on the episode. That's really tough. Um, you know, I guess my first question for you is, are you by yourself? Are you with your family? Are you with your girlfriend or boyfriend? Because all of those answers are going to dictate where you should stay. We have over 70 hotels and resorts in Scottsdale alone. Um, you know, majority of them are going to skew on that four to five star range. So we definitely are a luxury destination in the heart of the Sonoran Desert. But at the same time, we have such a wide variety. You know, we've got anything from, you know, a small, you know, less than 10 room hotel all the way up to 700 um, and anything in between. Do you want a main major brand? Do you want, you know, a more boutique, unique experience? It's tough. It's tough. So lead me and maybe I can give you some recommendations. I heard you like, you know, rooftop pools. I definitely like a rooftop pool and good drinks. (laughs) And it'll probably be just me or maybe me and some friends. So Someone that's easily walkable (laughs) to uh, some nightlife. Yeah, definitely. So one of our newest hotels that actually just opened a couple weeks ago in October um, is the Canopy by Hilton. So it's right in the heart of the Arts District in Old Town. Um, Brand new build, one of the first new builds in Old Town in a long time. I was fortunate enough to tour it. Um, It has a restaurant on the bottom floor, but then my favorite part was definitely the panoramic rooftop views where they have a pool, or you can get a little bit of booze and bites um, up on there their dining establishment up there as well sounds perfect i'm in and (laughs) um so once we've settled into that hotel or another uh, what would be your first recommendation for us to do Ooh, so obviously you definitely want to explore Old Town. It's the heart of our city. Um, it's really walkable. So from the south end to the north end, it's about 1.6 kilometers, a mile. It's super easy to put it in perspective. I used to live on the south end. My favorite bar area is in the north end, and it would take 17 minutes at a casual pace to just walk. Um, even if I hit every red light that I had to wait to cross. But um, Old Town's great. You know, there's there's galleries, there's museums, there's shopping anything from your name brands at Scottsdale Fashion Square or your little boutiques like Leela Market, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, we also have a lot of restaurants, wine tasting rooms. I know, you know, we talked about those Arizona wines. You can actually just kind of go around and sample all of them and never leave old town. Um, so definitely something worth doing in Scottsdale. I can definitely recommend the Arizona <laughs> wine as well. I've tried some of that. Um, so 
ever since I last chat on visiting Scottsdale, I've been wanting to go on a horseback ride, which you could have told when I was talking with Jay Lee. So a minute ago about the dude ranches um, and the hot air ride balloon, hot air balloon ride even. Um, when we visit, how should we take advantage of the amazing outdoor spaces in the Scottsdale? Yeah. So um, something that we've been talking a lot about lately um, is how we have this luxury of space and we have this room to roam. Um, so no matter what your comfort level is, you can get outside. So for horseback riding, we do work with some local companies. Um, so one such as Windwalker Expeditions, they'll actually tailor make your experience. So it's a private experience where they take you out in the desert, they assess you, they give you a horse that matches your skill level, and then you get to ride in the Sonoran Desert. Um, you could also go out east to Saguaro Lake Guest Ranch, um, which isn't a dude ranch like down in Tucson, but it is a ranch that has lots of activities um, by the beautiful mountains. Um, I've, you know, you go around the lakes, it's beautiful. It's in Tonto National Forest. So those are two ways to do um, horseback riding in the area. There's probably more that I'm, I'm not thinking of. Um, and then we also have great companies to do hot air balloon rides. So whether you're looking for a private experience or you're looking to do a shared balloon experience, both are available. You get breakfast and mimosas in the morning. Um, you get to either do it at sunrise or sunset, depending on what time of the year. Um, but it is definitely one of the most serene and beautiful ways to see the desert. And if you prefer to stay a little bit more grounded, we also have the McDowell Sonoran Preserve, which we, we talked about a little bit on the last episode, but um, it's hundreds and hundreds of miles of free biking, like bicycling um, and walking trails. You actually could take a horse through it too. So there you go. You could take it that way. I feel like I'm definitely going to be a, a horse riding expert by the time I finish uh, my, <laughs> my tour of Arizona as well. And when we want to explore outside of the hotel, but not as adventurous as the great outdoors, um, what recommendations do you have around the city before we leave Scottsdale? Um, so I kind of touched on it a little bit, but we definitely have a really strong art and cultural scene. So anything from beautiful public art installations that you could walk around in old town, galleries, museums. Um, we're also home to Frank Lloyd Wright, Frank Lloyd Wright's Taliesin West, um, which originally served as his winter home. It's now a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, they do daily tours, which are really fantastic. It's volunteer-led, so you kind of always get this unique experience and their personal take on both the property and Frank Lloyd Wright as a person. So it's always different, even if you go back. Um, and then, you know, something that is definitely a little different nowadays, but still an option, is we do have some great nightlife in Scottsdale. Um, in the summer, it turns a little bit more day life and involves pools because it's a little warmer here. So you definitely want to dip in the dip in the sun, dip in the pool. Um, but then we also have, you know, those wine tasting rooms we talked about, more local-centric bars, um, lots of different options, honestly. Really, it's kind of like a hotel. Pick your poison. <laughs> I've got many. So I'll, I'll be enjoying that as well, and especially the culture. So again, another great little stop on our on our road trip and shows how diverse, as Jessica was mentioning earlier, Arizona really is. And after obviously a great last night out in Scottsdale, we're ready to head further north to Sedona. Uh, Sedona is about the two hours drive north, of, uh, north from Scottsdale. I'm excited to visit our next stop, Sedona. As in episode 31 of the Travel Podcast, I discovered Arizona had a brilliant wine regions. As we explored the southern wine region, and we are about to explore another northern Arizona uh, wine regions of the Sedona and Verde Valley. So first, um, thank you, Sachi, for joining us. And I just wanted to ask, can we do winery tours? And how do I get booked onto the Verde Valley Wine Trail and Water Wine Floats? Well, thank you for having me. And I love to share about our region. 
Um, so yes, we do have a lot of winery tours that you can book in Sedona. You, they will start at one of the hotels and take you to a couple of the wineries on the Verde Valley Wine Trail. Um, Water to Wine float trip that Jessica mentioned is offered by Verde Adventures, and you can book the tour, their tour at verdeadventure.com. And it's an amazing tour. You start the uh, tour on the uh, Verde River and end the tour at Arcantara, like Jessica mentioned. And one thing to mention, the Verde Valley region was recently chosen as the 10th in the top 10 in the USA Today Reader's Choice Best Wine Regions. So you definitely have to come visit. No, I, I, and I definitely shall. And that water wine float trip is certainly up my street uh, or down my river even. It'll float my boat. And um, I feel I shall be enjoying a lot of wine in the evening. Um, can you recommend some wellness or spas or relaxing daytime activities in Sedona for me to book into? Absolutely. So before going to daytime activities, but once you go to the wineries and you select the wine that you love, I definitely suggest you to pick the bottle that you love, bring back to your hotel and enjoy the night sky, enjoying while you enjoy your wine. We are one of the international dark sky communities. So an amazing experience. And I'm sure Sherry from Flagstaff will show, um, share with you about the international dark skies. So Sedona is surrounded by amazing, beautiful red rocks, which is very, very magical. Native Americans consider Sedona very sacred, and they would come to Sedona for different rituals and ceremonies. And then in early 1980s, there was a spiritual psychic who visited those areas and said, four locations in Sedona have very special Earth's energy, and she called them vortexes. Each vortex has different um, energy, and they are considered to have very special healing properties. So we have a lot of wellness activities and, um, you know, yoga programs, meditation programs on the Vortex sites. Um, if you want to go deep, um, there are many activities like tarot reading, aura photography and reading, hypnotherapy, past life regressions. So there are so many different programs that you can participate. And if you want to create your own multi-day retreat program, there are professionals who can do that for you. So there are so many variety of wellness activities in Sedona, and I think that makes us very unique and different. Um, it's hard not to get inspired in a place like Sedona. So we do have a lot of artists in town and a lot of art galleries that you can visit. So there are so many things that you can do and see in the daytime. And also, um, because of this vortex energy, when you're participating in outdoor adventures, there are strong Earth connection, the connection with Earth that you will feel. So that makes your outdoor adventure experience in Sedona very different and unique, I believe. That is something that I, I didn't know about Sedona. So I am looking forward to, to experiencing some of those wellness spas and getting... 
uh, into that vortex, especially after the horseback ride. And I think it's going to be much needed. Um, so um, very, very much looking forward to experiencing something new, something that I haven't done before. And another area I would love to find out more about is the sustainability of travel in Sedona. And, and how can that be part of my stay? Yes. So Sedona is a small town of 10,000 people but we get over 3 million visitors to our small town. It's a scenic destination. Scenic, our scenic beauty is our number one attraction, and we really needed to focus on sustainable um, tourism efforts. Um, actually, we, are, we were the first city to launch the sustainable tourism plan in Arizona. We have gotten a lot of attention about that. And even though our pres uh, president and CEO, CEO was invited to talk about our sustainable tourism plan at World Travel Market um, last year. So our plan um, tries to keep the balance of environment, residents' quality of life, economy, and visitor experience. And I would like to talk about two programs that visitors can um, participate. One of them is called Sedona Secret 7. We have a web, web page, sedonasecret7.com. There are um, so many iconic destinations within the destination that people like to visit in Sedona. They learn about those places through social media, TV shows, magazines. But we started to see some over-visitations to those places. But we have so many other places that are equally beautiful and less, less known. So we wanted to introduce those places as more of a local experience. So under seven categories of popular activities that people participate in Sedona, which are hiking, biking, picnicking, stargazing, sunrise and sunrise, sunset viewing, uh, spiritual and wellness. So under those seven categories, we introduced seven lesser visited um, destinations. So you have 49 locations to visit and it's more of a local experience. So I will definitely recommend you to visit one of our Sedona Secret 7 destinations. The other activity um, opportunity that I would like to share about is the volunteerism opportunities. You know, once you're traveling overseas or to a destination, we wanted you to, we wanted our visitors to have an opportunity to um, interact with locals and also to give back to the community. So we developed a website, volunteerisminsedona.com. Most of our activities include trail maintenance, um, trash pickup by the creek or on the trail, or some of the event support of our local events. So there are lots of opportunities that people can participate. And those are just a little part of our sustainable efforts. I really do like the sound of that, especially the Secret 7. Um, I'll be exploring some of those, but it's amazing the sustainability program that you've got on there and, and the, the size difference between the residents to, you know, 3 million visitors. That's a big, a big difference. And what would be some of your recommended must-dos before we leave Sedona? So any of your personal recommendations? Yes. So as a local of one of the 10,000 people, we get to get the benefit of 
3 million visitors. Sedona could have become a national park, but because we were not, we were able to develop as a resort town. So we have amazing amenities of resorts and restaurants, so many restaurants to visit. Um, one of my recommendations would be you know, after a day of hiking and biking and outdoor adventures, uh, I would recommend you to enjoy pre-prepare margarita. This may be some fried cactus, very Arizona. Fried cactus. <laughs> I'll try that. I'll give that a go. Hopefully they, they take out the, 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 the thorns. Is it thorns? The pricks? The wherever, Whatever the bits are called. Um, but after feeling all zen, waving goodbye to Sedona. We are heading north for 15 minutes until we reach our last stop of our road tripping holiday, Flagstaff, Arizona. A unique fact about Arizona, the state has the most certified dark sky places, 17, than any other country, with Flagstaff being the first designated dark sky place in the world. And Sheree, welcome to explain this amazing certification. So how did you become dark sky certified? And what does that mean for any listeners that might not know about the dark sky certification. Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be here. The dark sky cities are all certified through an organization known as the International Dark Sky Association. And if anybody is interested, they can actually go to darksky.org because there are dark sky cities, of course, all over the world, including in the United Kingdom. Uh, how you get to be a dark sky city, and as you mentioned, sky, uh, Flagstaff was the first one in 2001, and now we have the 17 in the state, which is pretty prestigious. It is an organization that recognizes and promotes the steward, stewardship of the night skies, and so we, ha- we are encouraging communities around the world to both preserve and to protect the night skies through responsible lighting, through public education. And in other words, if when you come to Flagstaff and the other dark sky cities in our state, you will see, uh, particularly at night, uh, for example, our lighting all points downward instead of upward, so as not to enhance any light pollution into the sky. Uh, you you also find in, it, it actually tends to be a little bit darker as you drive around at night for, for that reason, because uh, our lighting is also sparse. So uh, the skies are beautiful. As um, I think Jessica mentioned before, Flagstaff sits at 7,000 feet elevation, about uh, over 2,100 meters. So we are a high desert, high elevation town. And uh, in addition to Flagstaff, uh, Sachi also mentioned Sedona and the village of Oak Creek, which are Really, uh, the village of Oak Creek is actually right between Sedona and Flagstaff, and it's uh, it's also a dark sky community. So you have just these beautiful, beautiful stargazing skies in northern Arizona with virtually no light pollution. Um, as an example, Flagstaff is located in Coconino County, which is the second largest uh, county in the United States. However, we also only have 150,000 people. So you don't have, uh, you just have wide open spaces. So it's quite lovely. So we do a lot of education. Um, our, our light certification is very, very strict and it's a very arduous process to become a, a dark sky 
community or place. So it would be a perfect destination, as actually mentioned, to enjoy a lovely bottle of Sedona wine <laughs> under the under the stars in Flagstaff. So absolutely. Um, <laughs> thankfully, having just been to Sedona, I have a, a bootful or trunkful, depending on where you're listening, of wine. So I'll be enjoying <laughs> that. And um the city is also, sorry, uh, Flagstaff is also known as the City of Seven Wonders. Uh, Shuri, can you let us know what the wonder, what wonders make up the seven and what is your recommend, recommended order to do them in to try to get all seven enjoying my stay? <laughs> yes, absolutely. The, the one that is, of course, the most known is the Grand Canyon. We're fortunate enough to sit about 80-minute drive away from the Grand Canyon and, you know, initially it's how Flagstaff sort of became uh, a tourist destination. Uh, we have about 71,000 people that live in, in Flagstaff. We have another 25,000 students at the university. So we are the largest town in Arizona. And um, what has happened over, over time is we've sort of become, and I think it was mentioned before, sort of that, that hub and spoke town. You can stay here, go to the Grand Canyon for the day get up there for sunrise or stay for sunset, but still come back to a very vibrant town. So that's the number one, I guess, number one on the list for the seven wonders. The others are uh, our Coconino National Forest. And uh, since 1908, uh, it was proclaimed uh, a national forest from President Roosevelt uh, a long, you know, a long time ago. And it actually includes the San Francisco mountains, which um, that's that's another story why they're called San Francisco. But it also includes the Black Mesa and uh, the Tonto National Forest, as well as the Grand Canyon National Forest. They sort of combined all these national forests into one large national forest, which is actually uh, almost two million acres in um, in in. Uh, in, in space. So it's, it's quite large, a lot of outdoor activities, canyons, deep canyons, ponderosa pine uh, plateaus. And then within the Coconino forest, the third wonder is the San Francisco peaks. Because we are at such a high elevation, we also have the highest mountains in Arizona. And again, as you, I think, mentioned, a lot of people don't realize we have mountains and that it does get cold here. So the San Francisco peaks, which really Flagstaff sits at the base of, are mountains that actually go to thirty over 3,800 meters. So they're quite high. Uh, so that is actually the third one. I'll tell you a little bit more about that because it also houses our ski resort. The fourth one, which we share with Sedona, is Oak Creek Canyon, which is a beautiful Red Rock Canyon that sort of connects Flagstaff to Sedona. Beautiful, beautiful drive. Uh, again, can be a day trip or, or take some time and spend a couple days in Sedona as well. And then the final three are our national monuments, which are all... 30 minutes or less of a drive from downtown Flagstaff, and that would be Sunset Crater National Monument, Walnut Canyon National Monument, and Wupatki National Monument. So those are our seven wonders that uh, over the course of several days, you can really thoroughly enjoy and explore uh, from a nature standpoint. No, amazing to see you can be in Flagstaff and go over and see all those seven wonders, especially Grand Canyon, little, like you said earlier, a little stop off. So you can stay in Flagstaff, jump there, go have a look and then come back within a day. It makes it very 
very helpful indeed. And um, after enjoying some, obviously this is a bit of a theme in this, I maybe should uh, look at my wine habit, uh, local wine in Sedona. I'm looking forward to tasting some of Flagstaff's craft beer. So I am switching up, so I'm going to the craft beer now. Um, I hear there is a passport for a beer trail. So how do I get myself, how do I get my hands on one of those passports? And what are some of your favorites? Oh, that's, that's actually very easy. Yes, it's called the uh, craft beer or the ale tour in Flagstaff. And it's a self-tour. We actually, in 2018, the governor of Arizona proclaimed Flagstaff as the craft beer town. And we have nine different breweries in our small town. Uh, if you go to craftbeerflg.com, you can actually print one of our passports. You could also find it on our website at discoverflagstaff.com, or you can stop in at our visitor center. And uh, with the exception of one, they are really all walkable within our downtown area. So Probably the most well-known of our breweries is called Mother Road, which is, you may know, another road, another name, excuse me, for Route 66, the Mother Road. So Mother Road Brewery, which has a couple locations in Flagstaff, has been an award-winning brewery. Um, everything from uh, IPAs to uh, some very dark beers. And then they also do special special brews for holidays and all sorts of things. So uh, we can also set up a special uh, tour for people, especially for groups if they're interested. And many of the, of course, many of the breweries also have restaurants there. So it's just, a, it's a, it's a fun time to just enjoy the outdoors. And uh, again, especially during the summer months when the weather is nice and cool here and sit out on the patio and just enjoy the beautiful Beautiful weather and scenery. Certainly on that uh, beer trail. And I will be taking off as much of that passport as possible. I have a lot of friends back here in the UK that would love to get out and try that craft beer trail. So I'll have to have words with them. Um, (laughs) And before we leave Flagstaff and start our unfortunate journey home, um, because I want to stay out even longer, uh, Chiri, do you have any other recommendations for our stay? Um, I do. Uh, One of the things I would absolutely recommend, and it is our largest attraction, we have many in Flagstaff, but I would absolutely recommend going to Lowell Observatory, which is literally a half a mile from our historic downtown. Lowell Observatory actually is now um, 126 years old. It was founded in 1894. So it's a, it's a very established observatory. It is one of the few observatories actually in the United States that is both a research observatory and a tourism destination. They see over hundred thousand visitors a year and their biggest claim to fame, well, two, I guess. One is they are the observatory that discovered Pluto, the planet. They are also the observatory that trained all the astronauts that walked on the moon. So every astronaut um, from the Apollo moon landing in 1969 were all trained in Flagstaff and at Lowell Observatory. And it's just an amazing and beautiful campus to spend some time at. So you can get a real bit of history by going there. 
you know, get you to can, see. yeah. And the stargazing is absolutely amazing. They just uh, a year ago, in fact, they opened a multi-million dollar open uh, open air deck observatory called the Giovanni, and they keep expanding. So there's lots to see and lots to do there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I now have to leave and start my journey back to the airport, um, full of food, great wine and and craft beer, and also exploring some amazing outdoor spaces and having amazing wellness spas uh, treats as well. But before we end the episode, um, Becky and Jessica, do you have any top tips or recommendations um, for if I wanted to extend and and visit Phoenix? Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you're going to stay in Phoenix a little longer, I would highly recommend visiting the Musical Instrument Museum. We also refer to it as the MIM. It's the world's only global musical instrument museum with more than 360 exhibits featuring instruments from every country and territory in the world. So guests are able to see and hear the instruments in their original cultural settings through the use of state-of-the-art audio-visual technology. So you walk around with the wireless headsets and you can see the high-definition video monitors incorporated to each of the exhibits. It's definitely unique experience and I highly recommend checking that out. Also, if you're a golfer, Phoenix is one of the top destinations in the world for this. There's over 200 golf courses in the greater Phoenix area, which encompass a variety of styles and levels. So that's definitely something I recommend checking out too. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And again, I've had an absolutely brilliant time exploring Arizona during this episode. I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of our special guests for joining us and sharing their knowledge and recommendations. So thank all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. I love a little crescendo of thank yous there. Um, And it really has opened my eyes to how much uh, there is to do and how diverse Arizona is. And hopefully it's done the same to you and given you a real travel bug to get out to Arizona, whether it be uh, a little bit further down the line or if you're out listening in the States, it's a lot sooner for you to get out there. So make sure you check out this episode's page on thetravelpodcast.com for some links of the highlights from this episode. And please leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and share us with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.